0: All right, it's the Storm Tracker Podcast. Marcus Benjamin and Frank Tucker here. And we're going into Miami versus Duke. And Miami is looking to continue to win. Uh, They got their first ACC win last week against Virginia Tech. Now they are home to Duke. So we will have our our predictions on canescounty.com on how exactly we think this game will go but i wanted to talk about just kind of the ramifications of a loss uh in case it does happen and also when so in, in case the the hurricanes do lose this game like where do where do the canes go after a loss
1: I mean, it's it's going to be tough to kind of predict it just because you've already lost to mid-Tennessee State, which is quite possibly the worst loss we've had since FIU. Uh, but we've also got to win against a, a team that was tough to beat last week against Virginia Tech, right? Uh, I, I think people are going to look at Virginia Tech like they're a bad squad, but that was our first ACC win, so I think that kind of – it kind of extends the honeymoon phase for Mario Cristobal a little bit, getting back to 500 in the ACC and in season play. Um, I think a loss would hurt. If it was a close loss, I don't think it would kill recruiting. Um, I think it would just kind of be part of the expectation of where we're at in the season. If they did lose, um, I, I don't think that there's like crazy expectations for the Hurricanes right now. They are sitting at three and three. A win for me would be positive though, because you're continuing continuing to push towards a potential ACC championship appearance. I, I don't know if that's the expectation right now, but if you keep winning, you're, you're still in the, in the race because the coastal is so wide open, but I, I don't think it, I don't think it's that big or lo- that big or small of a factor. I think it's just kind of black, I guess you could say uh, if they win or lose.
0: Yeah, I, I think they need to win. Uh, they, they, they do need to win uh against a team like Duke just for aesthetic purposes when when people think of Duke uh, they're always going to think of same old Duke no no one's going to think about Duke and think that they are anywhere close to being an elite team or a powerhouse for the aesthetics for Miami Hurricanes fans Miami has to come out there and win usually back in the 90s and 80s Miami would just go out there and dominate just like Keen said against a team like Duke but that's not the case, and that hasn't been the case. Although Miami's still dominating the the the, the series here, uh, I think it's fifteen to four uh, that the series is at right now. But Miami has struggled against coastal teams, and they have to win this coastal game to have a shot at the coastal, which is still. In the realm of possibility, I know most people will probably roll their eyes when they they hear that, but winning the Coastal is definitely still in the realm of possibility. North Carolina is is obviously going to be your biggest hurdle here. It would have helped if Duke would have held on to to win that game last week against North Carolina. That would have definitely helped Miami's chances to possibly get get into that ACC championship game. Uh, but you know it is what it is, and they have to kind of take it game by game. I uh, uh, try to win the week and go one and 0 as as Coach Cristobal and some of the players have been saying. And I think if if they win this game, it's gonna be an it's gonna be another boost of confidence uh, for Tyler Van Dyke and the defense and and the coaching staff and. I think if they win, they will feel like they can possibly win the coastal. Um, because the the toughest opponent obviously left on the schedule is gonna be Clemson. I'm at this point, I'm guessing that's probably gonna be a loss, especially going into a hostile environment in Death Valley. But um the the rest of the games are definitely winnable. And if North Carolina can, can lose a couple of games, which is what you're going to need, you're going to need two losses from North Carolina to have a shot at the Coastal, then th- this team is going to gain confidence game by game. And I think uh, a game against Virginia is a game that, that they can definitely win. Of course, they're going to be excited to play Florida State at home and avenge, avenge the loss from last year. And then after that, you know they have to get through a, a, a road game at, at georgia Tech and and then win at home against Pitt to really have a shot so each game is is is, is huge now and like like you said I, I I do believe it doesn't really move the needle much as far as recruiting is concerned uh, whether they win or lose but um a loss to me here is it would be devastating to the psyche of the team, and I, I think if they if they lose this game, I think the the this season could tumble out of control here. Um, so you want to see the Hurricanes go out there and, and perform, and and you want it to not end like how North Carolina did or the North Carolina game did, or how that dreadful middle Tennessee state game did.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I I think that this it's unfortunate that this season is like always uh, at a, at a potential opportunity uh, to kind of tumble out of control. Um, but that's just kind of where we're at uh, when you're in a transition phase, you got still a, a Pretty much a, a roster full of, of Manny Diaz players uh, and a Mario Cristobal staff. So, um, just gonna have to have some patience, I guess, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at the standings now. Here, uh, Miami currently sitting at fourth in the Coastal standings uh, there, but they are uh, they're one game back in the loss column. Like I said, from North Carolina. So it's, it's definitely winnable. And if you can somehow win the Coastal, which I do think that is the ceiling uh, for, for, my, for Miami at this point. Uh, we're going to be on Carolina watch for these next few weeks. And Carolina has a pretty decent schedule coming up. I mean, they do play Wake Forest, who's a good team. I I think they're actually the second best team in the conference. And then you got NC state at, at, as far as the, uh, the last game of the season for them, which is definitely going to be a tough game rivalry game. So those are, are, are definitely potential losses, uh, for Carolina, but you're probably going to need one more loss from Carolina to even have a shot. So they do play Pittsburgh this, uh i'm sorry next saturday they're actually off off this week so they've got pittsburgh next saturday then they've got virginia and then they've got georgia tech um on november 19th so one of those three games they would have to lose and they have they would have to ultimately lose against wake and nc state so coastal is still there uh but you know, you, you're, asking, you're asking for a lot at this point because right now North Carolina is in the driver's seat.
1: Yeah, and, and it's going to be like that for most of the year just because that Clemson game is just kind of hang over the team's head in a lot of different ways. Uh, but I think being in competition to for, for a chance uh, at an ACC championship appearance it is going to be a building block uh, piece for ball. Uh, going forward Uh, I don't think in the first year uh, based on what they've said in in press conferences and what they've said behind closed doors that the expectation was ever to win a ACC championship in the first year so staying in competition I think is going to be important moving forward
0: yeah who do you think is going to be the MVP of this game
1: Miami and Duke I think it's going to be Colby Young man I think it's going to be Colby Young I I I I think I think your guy is a potential superstar. I I and I got to give you credit, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You and I you and I went you and I went back and forth all off season and all fall camp about Romelo Brinson or Colby Young and you definitely won out. Uh my guy has had two catches for like 0 yards last week and and, and your guy had like nine catches for 110 uh and a touchdown. So Um, I got to keep writing about him, and I cannot write about my guy. So um, I think this is going to be another week where he shines against subpar competition on the outside. I think Van Dyke is trusting him a lot right now. I know that Ladsen's getting a lot of targets underneath, but that vertical threat over the top is something that we've seen him really utilize, especially the Charleston Rambos of the world and the first couple games of Xavier Restrepo. So I, I see another huge game from Colby Young. I also see another huge game potentially from Akeem Mesidor. I think he's going to need to be a big-time player in this game against this really good offensive line uh, for for Miami to be able to uh, subdue that running game in in some way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you on your MVPs, and thank you for the props on Kobe Young. Um, But I guess what's more disappointing is Romello Brinson, uh, the fact that he's not really – getting out there and, and, and really showing what he can do is is unfortunate. I'm going to throw out one more or or, or two more potential MVPs for this game. One, I think, has to be your guy, Corey Flagg. Um, <laughs> Corey Flagg is a guy that is going to have to step up in this game because Riley Leonard is a big, strong runner and he's capable of throwing the ball as well but more importantly once when he gets outside of the pocket we're going to need somebody to run this guy down and corey flag him being arguably the best linebacker on the team uh needs to step up in this game and also i'm going to say uh cam kitchens is is gonna is gonna have to help with run support as well he's got to be disciplined enough to, to, you know, stay in coverage, but at the same time, he has to, you know, step up and run support as well to run up and make some tackles. If Riley Leonard uh, starts to get loose here, but um, with, with me just saying that I, I you know, I, I'm starting to think here about, I mean, th- this is 2022 Frank and, and now, we got to start talking about transfers or players that that could be potentially transferring out. Now, I'm not saying that when, when I talk about these certain players possibly transferring out, and it's really just based on their tenure and also, um, you know, their lack of playing time. Okay, so it's not anything that is set in stone. I do want to kind of preface that, uh, that this is just really kind of based on what we've been seeing so far and just, just with their tenure on the team. So I'm going to throw out a couple of names that I think could possibly be transferring out from Miami. And this is, like I said, just based on lack of playing time and just based on their time here at Miami. For one, I'm gonna say uh Avante Williams is, is somebody that you, you may have to consider, maybe uh thinking about you would think would would think about transferring uh just based on his lack of playing time. Uh, this was a a player that was rated like a five star guy coming out of high school. Um he was you know, drawing comparisons to some of the Miami all-time greats, yet he has not lived up to uh, the billing thus far. Last week, he was the lowest-graded defender at around 30, uh, uh, like a 30-grade. So, Avante Williams it is a player that I wouldn't be surprised uh, jumped into the transfer portal. Another player that, that comes to mind for me, is uh, Khalil Brantley and also Dominic Mammarelli as well. Now, I say that only because you got three tight ends potentially coming in here that will compete for playing time um, with the recruiting class. And you have Jaleel Skinner, who is a true freshman who jumped over um, Khalil Brantley and Mammarelli. Uh, so Jaleel Skillner is, is out there getting playing time while Khalil Brantley and Mamarelli um, are not. And then uh, the last one takes me to your guy, man, um, Romello Brunson. This is the, um, another highly recruited guy coming out of high school. And he is not getting significant playing time. You would think this would be his opportunity with Jacoby George out and uh, Xavier Restrepo out. Uh, those guys are going to be coming back soon. Rashard Smith has shown that he can, um, you know, play at a high level as well as Frank Ladson, as well as Colby Young. Melon Brinson is, is starting to seem like the odd man out here. Uh, when it comes to the receiving core. So those are some names that I think, well, well, that I wouldn't be surprised would be in the transfer portal by the end of the season.
1: Yeah. I'm going to throw another name out there and that's a big baby, uh, Seymour. Um, I, I, you know, he's been out uh, with injury. But he's just not the type of player that Mario Cristobal recruits on the offensive line. We know how good he can be from his time at Miami Central, but any offensive line that's six foot, six one uh, probably doesn't fit in the Mario Cristobal scheme as we're seeing him recruit some mammoth type prospects in the 2023 class. And I think with bringing in potentially six offensive linemen in in the 2023 class, you're going to see some some guys start to maybe move out. And I know you're going to have some guys graduate on the line, um, but still I think you're going to see some some overall change um, and and probably for for the best um, as Mario Cristobal kind of sets the tone with the trenches. Um, another guy I could see possibly transferring out um, is, I hate to say it, Romello Brinson. Yeah, you're 100% right about it. I, I, I think he has the talent to be an asset in this offense. But with Colby Young uh, doing what he's doing, there's not going to be that opportunity going forward. Uh, Even next year, you're going to see, you know, a lot of those young receivers um, start to emerge. And you got another year of Frank Ladson too. I don't see him going to the league after this season. So, um, yeah, Mello probably ends up a power five transfer to somebody else. I would hate to see him go in conference because – Uh, If if the right coaching staff gets that skill set on the right track, he could be a player that we're seeing at the next level and talking about um, how did it not work at Miami. So um, those are a couple homegrown kids that I think probably end up making moves after the season.
0: I'm going to throw out two more names. I just want to get your opinion. And um, so those names are Thad Franklin and – Jake Garcia.
1: I think Jake Garcia stays. I think Jake Garcia stays. I, I I think Van Dyke, if he continues this going forward, I think he still ends up going to the NFL draft. And I think Garcia is going to get his opportunity to be the guy starting next season. I think, listen, this is going to be a, a little bit of a warm take right here. I think you Brown makes this a competition next season. I, I like what your Brown brings to the table. I think he's shown more as a passer than people give him credit for. Um, and I think he is a dynamic athlete, but I do think Jake Garcia stays. Um, and who was the other, what was the other name that you mentioned? Pat Franklin. Pat Franklin. I think he stays too. He's got a role as that big back. Could he be that Gus Edwards type player to transfer to, you know, another smaller power five program and do well, like gusted with the, with Rutgers. Yeah, I could see that maybe, but, I think, I think Don Chaney's more likely to transfer than, than him. I think Don Chaney uh, really hasn't lived up to the billing as a guy who was considered a top five running back at one time in in, in the 2020 class. He yeah. he just he's injuries in, injuries have kind of killed his career here at Miami. And um, Robert Burns was another South Florida guy who who had really high standing early on in, in, in recruiting uh, rankings and kind of fell off a little bit. Came to Miami, and never really got healthy. He could be the next Robert Burns, who ends up having to transfer out to actually getting an opportunity to play. I think Burns is actually doing okay somewhere else right now
0: too. Yeah, I think a lot will be revealed once Don Chaney comes back, and um, he's due to come back in maybe about a month, and we'll see how kind of the rotation goes at that point. And I think whoever gets the most carries after he returns is likely to stay. And then, you know, maybe the other player, um, you know, tries his hand at the transfer portal, but I actually think both of them actually stay at least for one more year. Um, But yeah, so, so those are some names to kind of uh, just keep in mind when it comes to transferring. like I said, once again, I just, I do want to say that it's not anything that we're hearing personally from these players or, or sources, This is just from what we see and um, and what could potentially be. So uh, also wanted to talk about recruiting a little bit. Uh, Cormani McClain has uh, decided on an an announcement date. And this is a player that Miami has been trying to land for, you know, a good while now. They've been in contact with Cormani throughout his process, but it looks like from what we're hearing, he is not going to be uh, committing uh, to Miami. It looks like the gators and the tide are are ahead of Miami in this race. And it seems like they're falling behind on a couple other guys as well or or maybe just you know, haven't p- pursued. Uh, the recruitment of certain players, uh, Samuel and Pemba, uh, seems like Georgia and Tennessee are ahead of Miami in that race, and also Damon Wilson. Uh, they they seems like they have uh, kind of fallen behind there. Uh, Ruben Bain, it's, it's still kind of a toss up at, at this point. Uh, not not exactly sure. Uh, where Miami exactly falls you know they're in the race but it seems like it's it's kind of 1a 1b with with Bama and uh and uh and and Miami and then maybe Auburn is is also pushing very hard as well uh what's your take right now on on some of those top guys
1: yeah Cormani. No chance uh, unless you know some other circumstances arise uh, for Miami to get in there um I think you know he's locked into Florida pretty much I think you know they uh they yeah. just made it happen they they you know there was a you know some alumni got involved and and have been you know mentors for him in this process uh, and the Pouncey brothers who you know have been you know instrumental in his relationship with his mom um and and honestly, I think we do need to talk about Coach Adai and his recruiting strategies uh, with defensive backs. We still just have Robert Stafford committed in the 2023 class. Antoine Jackson is not officially in the 2023 class yet. Um, so you, you got to kind of look at what's going on with the recruiting at at that position because there's opportunity to play almost right away for some of these top guys. Like uh, Damari Brown is already physically ready to play comparative to, what we have in the program right now. Gormani McLean is a guy that could come to Miami and start day one. Um, So it's disappointing to see, you know, prospects like that, not really have Miami as that that top option um, late in the process. Damon Wilson, uh, I don't think Miami was ever really in it. I think he ends up going to Ohio State. Um, You know, I think he just kind of wanted to win signing day and and go to the top uh, place where he's going to be developed for the next level. Uh, Reuben Bain is is an intriguing, intriguing conversation because Auburn has really pushed themselves into this conversation, um, and you know Alabama uh, still in the race, Miami obviously still in the race. When you got uh, family ties the way he does to Miami uh, with his brother being a GA and uh, Roland Smith, you know, currently in the program, they're always gonna have a chance. I think it comes down to the wire. I think. Uh, it really depends on who hire who Auburn hires as their head coach. If you see a splash hire, like a Deion Sanders or something like that, watch out. Um I think like an Edwin Joseph could even consider an Auburn. I think a Stanquan really? Clark, yeah, I think Stanquan Clark could consider an Auburn. Um, really? that's that's something that wow. change a lot of different things uh for Miami's recruiting depending on what Auburn does. Um uh, at, at at their head coaching position. So that's something to watch there. I, I, I personally think Alabama's kind of stepped out um, at, in the top two right there. I think it's Miami and Auburn right now. Um, and if Auburn botches that or keeps their head coach, then I think Bama steps back in ahead of Auburn. I, but my, I think Miami's pretty entrenched as a top two option for Ruben Bain.
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm – not, uh... That uh privy to Auburn's chances. Um, but I, I do still believe that Alabama does have a solid chance uh to land. I, I think they always have a puncher's chance, right? I mean, yeah, it, it's Nick Saban, it's Bama. Um I the way he talked about Bama with you the last time you spoke to him, Frank. It you know, it the resume speaks for yourself with Bama and the relationships and proximity obviously speaks for itself with Miami. So I I still think Alabama is in it. And based on what you said, it sounds like Auburn is definitely in it. So this is maybe a 1A, 1B, 1C battle for Ruben Bain that will go down to the very end. Um, but yeah, but, but back to what you were saying about defensive backs though. I mean, I I, I kind of agree with you there about where Miami is and it seems like they're, Falling behind a little bit in that area, Damari Brown. I assume his his top three right now is uh, Alabama, Florida State, and Miami. Um. So what I I think if I think if Damari was really solid on Miami, he would have committed to Miami already. You know that I I think that would have happened already. So my guess is that. There's something about Miami that he's not quite sure about, like he he's not totally sold about. Let's just say, because they're pushing for DeMar really hard, and you know, obviously there's ties with you know uh, his dad or whatnot. So there's there's something there that that, that makes me say uh, I'm not sure if that if that's even gonna happen. But Miami is also pursuing from from what I hear through a source. Uh, Caleb Spencer, the Oklahoma commit, is is definitely on the Hurricanes' radar. He is a player that visited for the North Carolina game. And from what I hear, they are trying to push for an official visit. Uh, so he is uh, an athlete that has played running back but has played uh, safety. So they are recruiting him as a safety. And that's potentially could be the first safety on the board for for Miami if they could potentially flip him from Oklahoma Oklahoma you could say is having a a a worse season than than Miami is that they're definitely living up to not living up to expectations of Oklahoma this season so that uh any prospect that is committed to Oklahoma, I think it could be a potential uh, flip. And you could probably say that about LSU as well, uh, as they are not living up to their normal expectations as well. So watch out for Caleb Spencer. He is definitely a name to watch. And also a, a interesting name that, that kind of sh- uh, showed up on the visitors list. And you can see our visitors list on canescounty.com. For this Duke game is Sharif Denson, uh, the South Florida Express defensive back. He committed to Florida right now. Um, he is going to be visiting uh, Miami this weekend. So interesting to see that name pop up on our list here. So that that's a, another player to watch potentially, uh, especially if, if they are looking to add other uh, other players to that Gators class. Like Cory Cormani Ma- McLean, so we'll we'll continue to monitor that. But those are a couple of a couple of names to kind of watch there. Your thoughts on on Sharif Denson though? Visiting. Yeah, I think the Ohio State thing is
1: interesting right now. Um, something that I've kind of heard was uh, it, Carnell Tate is still looking at Tennessee, um, and, and it from everything I'm hearing, if Carnell Tate flips to Tennessee, you could see. Some of those SFE kids become free game once again. Um, I, I think them going as like a collective group um, is something that those kids liked, but it seems like they're venturing out into into other avenues. We know Mark Fletcher has has heavily been in contact with the Miami Hurricanes since committing to Ohio State. Um, you know, I, I think a the biggest domino uh, to to fall would, would be Carnell Tate uh, to. to potentially flipping to Tennessee, especially with the way their season is going and having Nico currently committed in the class. If if you, if that happens, watch for Brandon Ennis, Mark Fletcher, maybe a Sharif Denson as, as potential flip candidates for Miami
0: going forward. Wow. That'd that'd be pretty big. That'd be pretty big. And we obviously saw what Tennessee did on the field last week against Alabama. It was pretty impressive. I think they got somewhat lucky though. Um, um, you know, Alabama kicks that field goal, you know, we even be, be talking about Tennessee, but they're actually in the top five. Um, highest I've seen them ranked in a very long time, probably this century is probably the highest I've, I've ever seen them ranked since you know, T. Martin and Peyton Manning days and Philip Fulmer at uh head coach, uh, you know, back to the also, Jamal Lewis. You know, the, those are the kind of names that I that I think of when I think of great Tennessee teams. And uh, th- this guy Jaden Hooker is is a uh, is, is a guy who is, is potentially bringing the Vols back along with their head coach Josh Heupel. So interesting. It will be interesting to see how their class kind of turn uh, turns out at the end of the season of course as well as Miami's um and um Miami's got they they have a a, a lot of work to do here you know there's still a lot of work to be done to kind of finish off this class but Mario Cristobal's staffs usually close pretty well when it comes to recruiting so a, a lot yet to be revealed with the class but um I mean, that's all I got here uh, for the Storm Tracker podcast. Anything else you wanted to cover today, Frank?
1: Nah, looking forward to a win uh,
0: this weekend against Duke, man. All right, all right. So let's go Kings. Let's see if they can pull this one out against the Blue Devils. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast.